0: Golden Edge, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos.
1: What's up, Golden Edge fans? Thanks for tuning in. Once again, it is development camp time, if I could speak correctly. It's the off-season for us, too, folks, uh, here on the Golden Edge. Adam Hill, Dave Shane here with you from City National Arena. A big day for us here on the show. As Kelly McCrimmon is going to join us in just a few minutes. The incoming GM, I guess we can still refer to him as. Soon to be. Soon to be GM in waiting. There you go. That's
2: the one I like, GM in waiting.
1: Here for the Golden Knights as we... uh, Sit here at City National, just got through with day one of Development Camp, so a couple of uh, observations that we could bring to you. But once again, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, share, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you do, wherever you find your podcast. We really appreciate all of you guys. Uh, Golden Edge Podcast presented by STN Sports Mobile from stations casinos so we thank them as well and as i said dave shane here with me at city national arena kelly mccrimmon in just a few minutes uh, but dave development camp is an interesting time of year not a lot of guys that people are familiar with necessarily there's a few sprinkled in here and there uh, but it is certainly an important time of year for the golden knights
2: yeah and you know what i'll actually uh there, there are a little bit more you know, like familiar guys just yeah. because they've had a few drafts now so you know it's a little bit it's not like you know a couple of years ago was you know, all these guys that were, they were just invited and, you know, things like that. These are actually their guys for the most part, their draft picks. And obviously there's some, you know, invitees and things, some guys that weren't drafted this year or, you know, say playing college or juniors that have been, you know, undrafted for a couple of years. They're here too. But for the most part, yeah, it's more about, you know, let's see where Cody Glass is at in his development. Let's see where Nick Higgs at. Let's see where, you know, the guys that were drafted last year, um, you know, Slava Demon played at Denver, Made the Frozen Four. I mean, he had a really good year, you know. So it's more, you know, where are those guys at in, in things? Where do they compare to last year and, and where's their improvement at? That's kind of what this is about for the most part.
1: We'll uh, wrap things up a little, a little later on with uh, what are, what we are watching for. This week, but let's get into the big news real quick before we get to Kelly McCrimmon, who should join us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, William Carlson's contract got done and we'll certainly talk to Kelly about it. But uh, Dave, this is it's a it's a big thing for the Golden Knights. They lock up. You know, a first-line center, a guy who's been important on both sides of the ice, a two-way player, uh, can cover all 200 feet and be valuable for you. They get him for what I believe is under market value for $5.9 million. Uh, He gets the kind of security he wants at eight years. Uh, How big of a deal is this for the Golden Knights? Yeah,
2: I think it's huge. I mean, clearly it was their number one off-season priority. Um, You know, nothing against the the other UFAs or anything like that, but you know, William Carlson has established himself as, you know, top six center, arguably first line center. You know, clearly he's not Sidney Crosby. Clearly he's not, you know, a guy that's going to put up 80, 90 points or, or anything like that. But he's proven over the last couple of years what he is that he's, you know, not the player he was in Anaheim. He's not the player that he was in Columbus. You know, he wasn't a 43 goal scorer last year, but he was a very good player, defensively contributing, you know, all the sorts of things. And he's doing that all last year With the contract stuff weighing on him, whether he admitted it or not, he told me in Detroit, yeah, i thought about it a little bit. It's weighed on me a little bit. It's only natural. I mean, who wouldn't think about it? Who wouldn't, you know, whatever. Just to
1: to interject, sorry, but George McPhee said this morning, uh, and this is, what, Tuesday afternoon here, first day of development camp at the press conference announcing the contract, he said, and he didn't come right out and like, it wasn't a critique, but he said, Hey, William Carlson, maybe could have had this deal last year. Decided to bet on, bet on himself, and if he scored forty
2: goals again, this would be a very different number. I right. mean, he said that, right? If he scored forty, it's different for yeah. sure, for sure. But all that being said, I think they just they they had an idea of who he is, and and this is more than anything, it, it really comes down to this. William Carlson wanted to be here. Yeah, he did not want to go anywhere else, and it came down to him basically saying, "Make this happen." You know, I'm going to be. I want to be here. I want to play for the Golden Knights. And he and his agent, you know, talked about it, sat down, and and you know, said, okay, well, we're going to make it happen. And and they were able to find a number and a term that worked for them. It works for George McPhee. It works for the Golden Knights. I mean, clearly, if he goes to unrestricted free agency next summer, he gets more than 5.9 million as long as he has a good season. Yeah. So he, you know, from that standpoint, you know, he took below market value. To stay in Vegas, and and I think you know William Carlson stressed that. I think George McPhee stressed that. Um, I'm sure Kelly McCrimmon will probably stress that to us too. You know when we talk to him, but just that you know that's the bottom line. William Carlson wanted to be a Golden Knight.
1: I also thought it was very interesting. We talk about these things all the time, but I thought it was very interesting that George McPhee brought up the tax situation during the William Carlson press conference. That he was, you know, he flat out said hey, a $5.9 million deal here because the tax structure is like $7.5 million in an average market and $9.5 million in California or Canada, by the way. Uh, he, he flat out said that. And I think that is absolutely a selling point for not only the Golden Knights, but also the Raiders and other professional teams here going forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just talk about, I understand it's a different situation that Kevin Hayes was an unrestricted free agent this year, but let's just use his you know, whatever is an example because he's a pretty similar player, at least statistically, in terms of, you know, William Carlson for a comparable. Well, Kevin Hayes got seven point one million from the Flyers, seven years. It was like 49, you know, whatever. I mean, you can make a pretty good argument that William Carlson's a better player. Yeah. You know? So I mean what Kevin Hayes is gonna take home, what goes in his pocket Is I think maybe slightly more than what William Carlson actually takes and hits. So so perception in this case is William Carlson only got 5.9 million, and well, Kevin Hayes got seven, and this guy got this, and like William Carlson could have got that much more money. But like you said, what's in their pocket, the taxes and those sorts of things, one, I know it's emphasized in terms of the negotiations from the Golden Knights side. And then two, it's a massive advantage for the Golden Knights. Because you're getting a guy at a 5.9 cap hit that, you know, let's just say he goes somewhere else that the equivalent to 7.5, you know? I mean, that's a 1.6 hypothetically million dollar difference that the Golden Knights have to play with. That's a bottom six defenseman, you know? That's a bottom six forward. We're talking about all these different things that they got to fit guys in, you know, 1.6 million or whatever doesn't sound like much, but it ends up being that's a player, yeah, you know? So, so for the Golden Knights to be able to save there, for William Carlson to say, "I want to be here," this is a number that I'm I'm good with because I'm going to get more in my pocket playing in Vegas. I mean, it's you know, Tampa, and Nashville, you know these these teams that can play that card. I guess it's a it's a huge advantage for them in negotiations. Absolutely. And you can also play the "you're living in Las Vegas" card, which is <laughs> yeah. a nice card to play as well.
1: Uh, and certainly, people want to be around the franchise that is you know, sold out every night and the energy in the building and all those other things uh, that they can also sell. Yeah,
2: and, you know, William Carlson's girlfriend is a Vegas resident, yeah. native. I, I don't know if she's yeah. native, but, you know, she's from Vegas. Yeah, There are so many things to keep William Carlson here. There were so many reasons for him to say, this is where I want to be, you know. And, I mean, ultimately, like I said, that that's just really what it came down to was he wasn't going to leave, you know. If there was any way for him to stay here, that was his priority. Stay here. The other,
1: I guess, somewhat news of the day as the schedule was released, and not a whole lot to get into there. They've got some holiday games, uh, St. Patrick's Day at home, New Year's Eve at home, like they've done the last couple of years, uh, Nevada Day, and Halloween night here yeah. in Las Vegas. What are you and, dressing up as? Um, a reporter. There you go. It'll be, it'll be, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll dress up as like you or Ben. Uh, so some holiday games, the San Jose series, Really heats up again. First two games of the season, four all four matchups uh, within the first you know couple months of the season. December twenty second, the last meeting with San Jose. Twelve back to back spots uh, this season. Anything noteworthy out of there, or anything else jump out at you about the schedule? It, it's such a weird thing. Everybody knows you're playing eighty two games. You're playing pretty much these teams. You're gonna have you know eight to twelve to thirteen back to back spots. Like you know these things. But people just love seeing it, you know, in print.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's always a couple. Um, You know, the one for me that really jumped out uh, is that road trip um, right around the All-Star break. So, it's a four-game trip. And then they have the All-Star break, the bye week, and then they go on another four-game trip. So, like, technically it's an eight game road trip, even though it's broken if, up.
1: It's like a uh, January 12th to February 8th. Yeah. Zero home games. Yeah. It's like 20, T-Mobile.
2: 27, 28 days yeah. or something like that, that they, that they don't play it at T-Mobile. So obviously that, you know, that one jumps out. Um, I, I remember there was a long, like a seven game home stand yeah. um, in there too. Obviously um, Mark stone on that long road trip is the return game to Ottawa. That'll be, you know, interesting. I'm sure he'll get a, you know, a good ovation and things like that, unless they're uh, still on the grudge over yeah. that over that comment that uh, seemed to be taken a little out of context. But maybe my fault. It's, it's eh, all right, you know. But uh, uh, you know, I mean, again, like you said, I mean, it's a schedule. It's you know, it's eighty-two games, but um, there were a few that jumped. You know, I mean, even even something like this is they finish with four games in Canada, so it's like a four-game road trip through like Winnipeg and then. I think it's the three in Western. Uh, I don't yeah. remember the order, but like I think Edmonton, it's in
1: Calgary, Vancouver. Yeah.
2: I think they finish in Vancouver. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, just something like that, if, if they're still battling for a playoff spot for home ice, for a division title, you know, something like that, that's kind of a tough trip, you know, to, to have to go through Western Canada anytime is hard and do it at the end of the year. If you got things on the lot, yeah. you know, that you're playing for that, that that'll be a tough one too.
1: Well, check out the schedule. As we said, we have some notes and observations as well as the schedule at reviewjournal.com. But, uh, Kelly McCrimmon just walked in, so I don't want to keep him waiting any longer. Uh, let's have him sit down with us for a few minutes here, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side with some of the uh, observations of what we're looking for this week at development camp. And Kelly McCrimmon sits down with us right now. So, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man?
0: Uh, things are good. It uh, has been a busy summer, but uh, in a good way.
1: So uh, we've uh, enjoyed things so far. We have got lots of work still to do. We, uh, you know, we were we were here. A couple months ago, for the announcement of you know you moving into a new position and the transition you guys are going through in the front office, even though it's kind of the same, it, it, it is different uh, with you know the title and everything else. How has that really settled in for you as we've moved ahead a little bit? Yeah, I think so. We we went right into uh, you
0: know our normal course of business. I believe from the time of the announcement, we uh, you know we did our pro meetings, which uh, are real important, and they were followed by. The year-end amateur meetings, which prepares for uh, uh, the NHL draft, recently uh, concluded in Vancouver. Uh, we were in Buffalo for a week for the NHL uh, scouting combine. We had coverage at the Memorial Cup uh, in Canada, which is the uh, four top junior teams uh, in the country. Then, uh, you know, more meetings in Vancouver with uh, uh, the draft. And then, of course, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really ramped up this year and, and the last few years is just the dialogue between uh, teams. Really, um, you know, the the combine in Buffalo is a week long event, which is uh, for your amateur staff to interview uh, players for the NHL draft. But because uh, all uh, 31 general managers are, you know, generally most of the 31 general managers are there, there's a lot of talks that uh, that begin there that I think are. You know, fostered along uh, through the month of June, you saw some, uh, you know, some activity at the draft with uh, respect to trades, there'll be uh, more to come. And uh, of course, free agency is uh, is on July 1st. So that, that, uh, you know, that cycle of events is pretty consistent year to year. And uh, so important for uh, organizations and management teams to, uh, to really be thorough and do as good a job as you can.
2: You had mentioned, you know, a couple of months ago, you had met George the first time in that Vienna airport and things a few years ago. Did you kind of foresee, you know, being a GM? I guess at some point was it a goal for you at that point, long term, maybe?
0: Well, I didn't really know, uh, to be honest. i had been a GM uh, my whole uh, career, uh, pretty much. So, in terms of uh, you know having the you know the ultimate responsibility for overseeing an organization, I had done that uh, uh, for. Uh, many years, I didn't know exactly uh, uh, what more would be entailed to being an NHL general manager. I would tell you that when I uh, went to work uh, with George and took the position of assistant general manager, it was uh, uh, just based on what I thought was going to be a really, uh, uh, you know, neat experience uh, that we're going through that expansion process. Which, of course, as we uh, went through it, it was uh, all of that multiplied by about uh, by about a hundred, but. <laughs> The one thing in hindsight, uh, that, that again, you know, I didn't do it for this reason or expect it, but that first year was, was, uh, you know, it was like a four year university education in, uh, NHL management because of the kind of work we did. We knew, uh, all 30 NHL teams. I hadn't watched a lot of professional hockey. Of mm. course, I'd watched, uh, uh, all kinds of, uh, junior hockey. But uh, it was an opportunity for me to really get acclimated to uh, uh, you know, just just that adjustment to to watching pro, and uh, you know then all the discussion about teams' uh, construction, about their uh, salary cap, looking at contracts, uh, the whole business side because that was a big part of what we did with expansion as well. And then uh, you know the uh, you know the part I loved was just. Uh, uh, the strategy, and the thought process, and the discussion, and the uh, the gathering, and the collaboration of uh, information that went on among uh, among our staff. So uh, that year, uh, you know, I thought uh, taught me so much, and uh, was really, uh, you know, by, by the time we had tra- you know, but personally, I guess my own career, by the time I had transitioned uh, with uh, Las Vegas for a year, I felt like I Uh, had learned a lot in terms of uh, what you need to do to be uh, successful as an NHL organization. And then uh, the first year, of course, uh, the inaugural season, uh, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So there's all kinds of lessons and experiences that uh,
1: uh, really prepare you uh, in that type of a setting as well. So much has been talked about that first season. And, you know, expectations are what they are for an expansion team. And the plan was, you know, three years in the playoffs, everything else. Was there any part of you that was like, we can do this, like we can make this happen, or, or was it completely shocking to you?
0: Well, when we went through it, um, you know, we, 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 we really liked our team when we uh, <laughs> selected it, we liked uh, that process. We, uh, you know, were really excited that we could also use expansion to set us up, uh, uh in the draft <clears throat> as well as it did. Not only, uh, in fact, we used picks from expansion. Uh, I believe we had a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick this past Saturday uh, that are still expansion picks. So uh, that uh, part uh, sure worked well. But you know, when we started the season, uh, I remember vividly looking at the schedule. We had two games on the road to start. We went to Dallas first, uh, then Arizona the following night, and then we were opening at home, I believe, on a Tuesday. So it was Friday, Saturday, I think, or maybe Thursday, Friday, and then Tuesday at home. And I remember thinking to myself, I'd love it if we could get a win on the road, so that we weren't coming home to play our first game in franchise history. We hadn't won yet; we've got a two-game losing streak, and just you know, just didn't want you know, kind of any undue pressure on uh, on us. And then, of course, with everything that was tied into one October, you just knew that was going to be a real uh, hard night. And uh, we won in Dallas, if I remember correctly. I thought Mark Andre was uh, tremendous. And then the next night uh, in uh, Phoenix, uh, Nate Schmidt I think scored with uh, with the goalie out, and uh, you got a good memory. And I think James <laughs> Neal might have been the guy that got the, <coughs> the overtime winner, yeah. but we won that yeah. game in overtime. And then just uh, how how the emotion played itself out on. Uh, on opening night, uh, you, know, uh, you know, particularly with Derek uh, England uh, speaking and then, you know, the good start to the game. I think Thomas Nosek uh, was the guy who got our first goal. I remember Derek himself scored in that, uh, uh, in that game. And it was funny, you, you never remember these things. We didn't play particularly well that night once we had that lead and, you know, just with the emotions, I guess, and everything else. So then we, uh, you know, we had that schedule where we were, I don't know if you're looking for a play-by-play report of That's the whole great. first year or not, but then just going by, well, my memory will run out soon, so <laughs> this, uh, this won't go too long. But uh, we had the schedule where we were at home so much that opening month, right? And, and uh, you know, we, you know, kept getting some wins and then Mark Andre against uh, Detroit was uh, was injured. So, you know, there were so many times that I think everybody you know, oh, nice story so far. Now the bottom falls out, and of course, when he got hurt, you might have expected that would be one of those times. And in fact, he missed 25 games, if I uh, if I recall uh, correctly. And and we wobbled a bit, but we were able to kind of hold our uh, hold our own. And for me, uh, and I'll eventually answer your question. For me, when we got to December, uh, that month of December, we beat some really good teams. And I thought at the end of that month, I don't, we didn't lose in December, and we, yeah. you know, we beat really good teams. Uh, we beat uh, some teams on the road that I thought were real hard buildings to win in. We beat, you know, Washington at home. We beat Toronto at home. We had the late uh, last second victory against uh, Tampa at home. Uh, One in Nashville. We just we had some really, uh, I thought, uh, important victories. So when we got to the end of December, I, I, I then felt if we ever did hit some choppy water in the second half we had enough of a foundation that we could push our way through it so that was sort of when I uh, uh, you know and this tied in with our discussions about the trade deadline and what to do with our uh, expiring contracts and and you know I I remember saying at the time that generally the players make those decisions for you and in that case uh, certainly they did and it was never ever a consideration that we would uh, trade players away because of how well uh, guys were playing so um, uh, you know once we got to that point yeah I felt that uh, that we had a chance and uh, you know then when we got to the playoffs I was really hopeful that we could uh, win a playoff round because to me it really would have validated our work and and uh, you know just uh, as, as tremendous as the season had been you know just a playoff victory would just really you know, solidify just how good that uh, year had been if we could do that. And of course, uh, in what was an extremely close series uh, in terms of the four games, we uh, swept LA and then and then moved on.
1: So it was uh, it was quite a season, obviously, as uh, as we all remember. There's obviously disappointment when you when you get to the final and don't win. But how quickly were you like, no, 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 that was unbelievably successful. I know we fell short, but that was incredible success.
0: Well, I think over time you recognize that that's, uh, not easy to get to the Stanley Cup final and, uh, um, you know, everyone I think is, uh, really proud of, uh, of that team and the work that, uh, uh, was done to put it together for, for the management, the hockey operations people. It was the second year, uh, of, of, our organization, of course, for our fans and the players, it was the first year, but it was, uh. You know, incredibly uh, rewarding to uh, to see how that happened. And the other thing that was really refreshing is is just great people to work with. Uh, our players. We had no ego. We had no entitlement. We had uh, you know everyone with something to prove. And it was a, a pretty powerful dynamic when you combined uh, all of it. So you know that part made the year uh, even that much better. But it was uh, it was disappointing. And you know I, I didn't feel that we ever got playing well in the final. And we won the first game. I didn't think we played good. So you know, it was almost uh, a relief that we were able to get the win. But then for me, it wasn't until game five, which was <clears throat> the night that we were eliminated, that I that I thought we looked like the team from the first three rounds. I, 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 I loved how we played in the first and second. We were leading after two. And I really thought that we were you know going to find a way uh, you know, to win that game. And at that point, all you're trying to do is win a game to keep the series alive. And, of course, in the third period, uh, Washington uh, tied the game, took the lead, and, and, and went on to win. So, uh, you know, in the short term, it's uh, devastating. And, you know, the longer term and with the benefit of time, I think it's, uh,
1: you know, everyone was extremely proud of how well that team played. Talk about all this work that has gone into getting you guys to this point. And for you personally, all that work was, was recognized, certainly around the league, you seem at least from our perspective we're very in demand uh, you know going into this offseason you just make the decision to stay around how personally rewarding is that for you just just to be recognized for people to to want you and to recognize the work that you did uh, even though you're here and everybody's happy that you're here and I'm sure you're thrilled that you're here to just have that kind of i guess validation might be the right word of like wow look what this guy did yeah and i and i never looked at it
0: that way i i I've, you know i didn't comment on on much of that, as it was uh, as it was going on, but I I, I would say any time that someone did ask me that, it's a reflection of how well things have gone here. So uh, was I, uh, you know, an important part of that for sure. It was, but I know also uh, in my own mind how important our pro staff was, how important uh, Bill Foley's leadership, George McPhee's leadership, how important uh, those things were. Our hockey operations people you know, that's what, uh, uh, you know, put the team where it was, and because the team had the success it did, that's what, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, put the spotlight on some of the, uh, on myself in terms of some of the openings uh, that were available, but I, uh, you know, that, that other side of it isn't, uh, isn't a big deal to me. I know that Bill really appreciated my work, I know that George really appreciated my work, and I know, that I had uh, great relationships with all the people that I worked with. So for me, that was, uh, uh, that was what was uh, the most important. And if it, uh, you know, would have turned into a, <coughs> excuse me, an opportunity to be a general manager elsewhere, I guess that would have been, uh, you know, bittersweet in some respects, because I would have really been disappointed or sad to have to move on from all of the people here. The way that it played out was, uh, uh, you know, much to my surprise, I didn't see that coming. I think, as I might have mentioned the day that we had our announcement, but uh, you know, couldn't be happier that it did play out the way that it did, and we, you know, can continue working with all the same people, and in a lot of respects, um, what we do is pretty similar to what we were doing,
1: and uh, and that's good too. I'm going to make an assumption that you enjoy Las Vegas as a city. Uh, I think everybody does, and you're you're certainly here. Did you think you would like living here? Well, I don't think that anyone who doesn't live here
0: um, would really have any feel for what it's like when you do live here. And you guys, of course, uh, do live here. And, you know, the easiest way I describe it to, uh, you know, people uh, when I travel is it's the exact opposite of what you think it is. Because when you live here, you, you know, we're in Summerlin. Everything we do day to day is right in this building that uh, we're in. Uh, right here our practices our hockey operations offices our business operations offices are all right here and uh, you know I might have went to the strip myself with family in town last year on a couple of occasions I never went another time so um, you know day to day we're out here and then the other thing for me personally uh, I like to work uh, you know so you know I I like staying here working I like doing stuff uh, like that our team travels lots I uh and my role as assistant general manager would have uh scouting that i would do from time to time and uh, and be away but it's uh you know it's a a really nice community in summerlin and uh it's really easy uh for our players and everybody else to get around and you're close to the practice rink you're close to the airport the things that uh, uh that we need so it's a pretty nice place to live
2: i think you kind of answered this but i, I guess how tough would it have been for you to leave? had had another opportunity presented itself
0: well i think um it, you know it would have been tough i i sure think that i uh um, you know i it, it, you know i'm glad i'm glad I, i'm glad i glad i glad i did not have to stare that decision eyeball to eyeball because uh um it would have been really difficult uh and and you know so much of what we do uh in in any walk of life is about uh uh, how rewarding it is, who you're doing it with. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy uh, um, you know, what I'm doing, where I'm doing it and who I'm doing it with. So from that standpoint, uh, this was definitely my preference. I guess, uh, you know, professionally, if a guy, uh, a person had an opportunity to be a general manager uh, in another organization, that's something that you'd have to uh, to look through uh, or look at, I should say. And then the other thing that... Uh, um you know one of the other benefits of uh, re- you know being promoted to the general manager in the organization that I was uh, in from day one is we've got a real good hockey team so <laughs> that's not always the case when you uh, get an opportunity to go be a general manager somewhere either so you know all of those things uh, you know, combined um re- really uh you know if you if you've been in this organization since day one it uh, uh I think is uh you know, you feel pretty proud of uh, uh, of the organization. So that that's certainly how I uh, have always felt uh, in my time here.
2: And, and you and George really agree on everything. Like not a restaurant you've disagreed on, not a movie. Like everything, everything you're right in sync, huh? Well, uh, yeah, we're really good friends, and uh, you know, he
0: um, is very respectful of uh, uh, of you know of, of you know what I. Uh, Say my input, uh, I'm very respectful of uh, what he feels. I think that, uh, um, you know, obviously for us to work as well together as we have, a lot of the things that we have always stood for uh, in terms of how we want our teams to handle themselves, how we want our teams to play, um, you know, the culture around an organization. um, You know, we do, you know, working with George for me, uh, in a lot of respects validates a lot of things that I had always done uh, with the Brandon Wheat Kings. So uh, I think we're, you know, so in sync in terms of what we, what we, you know, stand for and what we believe in that that's a, that's a great start. And uh, we just, you know, the, even the nature of how that first year was, we, you know, we didn't have a team, you know, we had a job, we had a lot of work, we had a, uh, you know, a different challenge than anyone had ever had. So Uh, you know, we attacked that together. And that wasn't just uh, George and I. There was a lot of other people that were uh, a part of that. But, uh, you know, that was, you know, sort of how we went about it. So from day one, it was extremely collaborative. And then it just never, ever changed. And, and, uh, you know, I remember at the start of the second season, uh, or our first season, the start of our second year, that uh, George wanted me to be around the team for the first couple of months because we really didn't know our own players uh, yet. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we thought that was a good idea. So that's what I did. And, you know, that never, ever changed. I was, uh, you know, around the team for, uh, most of the time, each of the two years, I probably would have seen, you know, of the 82 games, likely saw, you know, 55 to 60, uh, each year there'd be, you know, world juniors, some scouting events in Europe or whatever that I would, uh, uh, miss. But, uh, for the most part, I was with, uh, with the team, which again, in terms of learning, uh nhl management uh, you know that was uh really uh good training for me as well to be around
1: george and in that setting uh day to day all the time i feel like you're you're looked at as the more loquacious outgoing funny of the two but i, I have a working theory that george is low-key funny well, like is he a funny guy i feel like uh, he is i was gonna you're
0: all you're doing is comparing me to george <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean i'm any of those things <laughs> uh but uh no george George is uh really intelligent really well spoken uh you know enjoys a good laugh when we have our uh amateur meetings or our pro meetings and uh, uh the guys are together he loves that setting and uh you know you know I, I don't see him the way uh that uh, that you guys would but uh uh, well,
2: yeah. I- I've always been of the opinion that George has a great sense of humor. He slays me. I'll tell anybody that. No,
0: he he, uh, he does. He's quick and yeah. uh, and uh,
2: yeah. that dry sense of humor just kills
1: me. I love it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> good. Um, you mentioned you know one of the benefits of of staying around here is you're, you're you know in, with a good team, a good setting. You, you're familiar, but you've got a good team. That does, doesn't mean you don't have tough tough decisions to make. So this week we get the announcement: William Carlson's deal is done. How important is that for you guys to, uh, to get that done and as kind of a kickoff to the offseason here?
0: Well, it's extremely important. And, uh, you know, I, I always feel about William the way I felt about what Nate Schmidt is on our defense. And and um, just zero maintenance, uh, high character, uh, you know, consistent every single night and that's what uh that's what William is and it's uh it's interesting when you go back to that first year uh I think we played William on the wing for our first six or seven games uh as as you know uh, strange as that sounds now that's uh, where we started as we were waiting for people to kind of emerge or or uh, uh for things to sort of you know uh become clearer for us but uh you know, he's been an extremely consistent player. He's a really, really, um, respected guy by our team. I think, uh, across the league, he really highly regarded as being, you know, one of the top two way centers, uh, in the league. So, um, it was really important for us. And, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, you go back, you know, to two years where two years ago, rather where, you know, we would have loved to have extended him at that time. And it just didn't, uh, you know, happened then, and then you know we went all last year, and to be able to uh, uh, have him in our organization for now, uh, the next eight years, I think is uh, uh, fantastic. His teammates are uh, uh, thrilled for uh, for him, and, and uh, as well uh, for our team. So it was really key, key signing uh, by our team.
2: I, I know you guys obviously have a lot of work, you know, and other guys and, and things going on. Not so much specifically what's going on with Derek England, but. I guess my question with regard to, to his situation is the sentimentality and, and his attachment that folks have in the city. It's, it's maybe a little different with him than another player. How does that kind of factor in as you guys, you know, look at whether to resign him and, and things going forward?
0: Well, Derek is, you know, the most respected guy in our room. Um, you know, I've uh, got a ton of respect for him. As does George. As do the coaches. He's, uh, you know, he's, um, he's that guy. And it's, a, it's, it's such a great story that he, you know, played as many games. In fact, what game did he play last year in the NHL? Was it five hundred? Six. Six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah. And uh, and I remember going to him after the game. I looked it up. I can't remember it off the top of my head. So as impressive as it is for any player to get to six hundred in the NHL, I think he'd played as many. In the ECHL, the AHL, this guy played uh, a long time before he became uh, an NHL player. Um, you know, he's, uh, I always describe him as John Wayne tough. Everybody on both teams knows exactly uh, uh, what this guy is about. And he's uh, fought everybody over the years and is at a point now, obviously, in the game changes too, that he's uh, not doing that as much, but people still know. Um, you know, real uh, good penalty killer for us as the uh, as he has been all the time. So th- there's there there's a you know there's a complete case to support Derek Englund uh, as a hockey player and a person without ever getting into those kinds of things. And do they matter? Of course they do. They matter to uh, the people in our room. They matter to Derek and his family and our fans. But uh, uh, he uh, is a good player. Uh, you
1: know, just by his own virtue and his own skills. I'll uh, I'll ask the question this way: uh, Are we freaking out too much about the cap? I mean, obviously, you guys have a plan. You know what you're doing. We are sitting here like, what are the what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Are we freaking out too much? Well, it's
0: it's a uh, you know it's a it's a real focal point uh, at this time of year, and it's new uh, for our organization. Is new for you guys in terms of covering uh, the team. So. Uh, Do we have some work to do and some hard decisions uh, to make? We do. Um, We're fortunate as a team that we're not in this position because we've got a number of regrettable contracts, let's call them, on our books. We've got some damn good players that are uh, being paid fairly and uh, uh, earning and deserving of what uh, they are being paid. And if you have a real good team, um, you know, this This is where you end up is, uh, is at the cap. We're not there because we've made <clears throat> mistakes on free agents. We're not there because we've uh, bet on the wrong guys to extend. I, I think uh, uh, the opposite. I think we've done a really good job of, uh, you know, having certainty on our core people moving forward. So, you know, we're not... Uh, uh, we're not disappointed that we're in this position, or regretting it, or wishing we had a do-over uh, on some of the decisions that we've made uh, that have, you know, uh, been part of why we're in this uh, in this position that we're in. But uh, it does leave us in a situation where uh, we're going to have some uh, some tough uh, decisions to take care of here as we uh, move along, and uh, uh, you know, it really. Uh, you know, to, to, if, if we want to be a strong team, if we want to be a contender, if we want to be a team that's a playoff team uh, consistently, which is is really not easy to do, if we want to do those things, then we have to uh, be developing our own people because ultimately what you need is some players on your team that are on entry-level contracts, which, uh, you know, allows you to, Um, you know still include as many of those good players as uh, as you want to uh, or or hope to keep uh, on your team and you know probably for us um, we're just now likely at that point where that's part of the discussion because we have had uh, you know a couple of drafts under our belt we do have uh, some good prospects uh, in Chicago. We have seen, uh, you know, growth in some of these people, as we talked about in the press conference, in the press conference earlier today. Um, so those, you know, those will all all of that will tie into this. But uh, you know, we're, you know, you have to, you know, you have to make hard decisions, and, uh, and that's what uh, what we'll do. And you know, I wouldn't say that uh, uh, we're panicked about it at all. Uh, we're respectful of what it could mean uh for some people but uh we'll we'll uh, we'll get it taken care of and and uh we'll be compliant when uh when that time comes
1: this, this time of year with you know getting into all these players are going to start moving and teams are doing all sorts of work to try to make their rosters better and everybody's trying to look for you know who they're going to sign everything else how many times a day do you have to charge your phone
0: well, I've got a charger on my desk that I just set it on there when I'm not using it, so it kind of stays charged. If I don't, it's uh, it's generally dead by the end of the day. But uh, um, I actually I, I carry two phones. This one I've got here with me uh, right now is fully charged because I left my other one uh,
1: on the charger. It's that's the things i think about like just all these calls going on and everything else but uh for you i mean you, you got to go you were at the draft and you know went through this process is there like a, for some of the new guys coming into general manager roles they're hazing is there chirping is there those sorts of things going on between general managers no there isn't and of course i've known uh, yeah. you
0: know most of these guys over the years for my time in uh in brandon one way or the other um uh, you know, it was interesting. One of the few that I had never met was George uh, himself. When we uh, were talking about, about about that earlier, I'd never met George prior uh, to coming to work here. But, you know, for the most part, I'll have met uh, most of those people along the way. And then, uh, you know, through expansion, George and I divided up uh, uh, the, the 30 teams. So, uh, you know, have had the chance to You know, have discussions about trades or players and that type of thing uh, along the way so that part's been uh, been pretty seamless
1: all right well get ready to wrap up just uh as we head into this very busy time of year you've also got some time off to look forward to before the season what does the rest of your summer look like
0: well we'll uh you know keep working this week uh on uh some of those uh discussions that we're having with teams and that type of thing we um, have free agency on the first of July, and uh, that's uh, you know going to look a little different for our organization now than what it might have uh, in the past. You know, there'll be some uh, work that has to go on after that, and then uh, I'll uh, <coughs> probably base out of <coughs> excuse me out of Manitoba for a little bit uh, through the summer. There's the World Junior Showcase; will be the first uh, scouting event that's in Plymouth, Michigan, in the last week of July. Then uh, the Ivan Holinka again and uh, uh, the Czech Republic uh, will be early in August, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be September first before you know it, and the players will be rolling back into town. Um, a lot of the players now are living in town or coming back early uh, through the summer, which is uh, great to see. So, you know, they'll start to have informal skates, and that gets uh, everybody excited for hockey season when uh, when that starts and. You know, I think rookie camp is uh, early September. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure uh, of those dates, but uh, it'll be here before we know it. That we do know.
2: So, in other words, not a lot of golf on the uh, calendar for Kelly McCrimmon coming nope. up. No,
0: no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't uh, golfed one time since I came to work for the Vegas Golden Knights. So our fans don't need to worry that we're suffering because I'm on the golf course. <laughs> uh,
1: that I can tell you. There you go. Awesome, awesome stuff. We really appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. Thanks, Kelly. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. All right, thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Uh, he is Kelly is headed out straight to the golf course right now. I mean, I know he said he's not. That's where he's going. He told us off mic. I don't know if you guys heard him out there. Uh, but that's what he's gonna be doing.
2: A few eight irons, you know, just hit him on the range and get a little loose, you know, well
1: he's in a perfect place to play golf, maybe he just
2: doesn't like uh, it, yeah maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know a hockey player from Canada that doesn't like golf, but it's a good point eh, and I'm, I'm sure when you're in Vegas and not in
1: Brandon, right? right, you'd probably enjoy getting out on the links, but but he
2: did say he's also. a workaholic and, and lesbian in the building, so you know,
1: fans out there <laughs> hit wrong him with up. that, yeah, hit him up, uh take him out golfing one day, show him what it's like here in vegas well a couple of things to get into from what he just talked about here uh talked a little bit about the the salary cap i mean he's saying there's tough decisions to be made do you get the sense that that they are more comfortable with where they are with the cap than we are
2: yeah absolutely yeah i mean clearly they know have a plan they know what's going on what they you know envision and things like that and the rest of us are like Well, you could just do this or that or, you know, like, you know, I mean, we, you know, we can guess and we can try to, you know, play amateur capologist and and do all sorts of things. But clearly, you know, they're the ones that are up here, you know, at City National, you know, crunching the numbers and, and doing all that. And I mean, you know, look, I mean, for two years, they've proven to fans that they know what the heck they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they've they've put a good team on the ice. They've, they've made all these moves and, you know, maybe there's one or two, you know, you and I could argue about or, you know, maybe disagree. Somebody feels this one's better. Maybe this contract, you know, but I mean, they've been in the playoffs both years. They've been in the Stanley Cup final They're you know, whatever. So clearly for them to have a little bit of a cap issue, be tight against it this year. I don't think they're worried about it. For me, it's more of a surprise just that this quickly you would i guess put yourself in 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 that spot in a situation where now you have to cut some salary you have to make some tough decisions you have to maybe make a move a trade or something that you maybe wouldn't have wanted to do you know a couple months ago a few months ago last year you know whatever it might be so i think there's some tough decisions clearly they admitted that but i just think they're more prepared to make them than maybe from the outside view that that we all have you know about the whole situation i guess i
1: mean do you expect a let's say big name player to not be here in a couple weeks
2: i think it's definitely possible but again i'll go back to those guys being a heck of a lot smarter and knowing a heck of a lot more than me and if they're able to figure out a way to keep the top 6 intact put together a decent third line and you know and not have you know, basically three slugs on your blue line because, you know, you had to make, you know, sacrifices there. I mean, if I were a fan, I would trust that, that they're going to get this done in a way that they don't have to, I guess, move somebody out. That would be a shock. Now, all that being said, if it happened, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: I thought it was somewhat telling that he, that as Kelly McCrimmon was sitting with us, he specifically mentioned... How you're getting to a point where you kind of need to have a couple entry-level contracts on your roster.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so not to spin it to like another sport or whatever, but I mean, we've heard this similar thing in like football. Quarterbacks. Right, and it's yeah. a, it's an entry-level league and you have to produce on your rookie contract and you have to hit on guys. And whatever before the cap becomes an issue, obviously the NHL is different. You know, it's, it's a different situation. But I do think, you know, the way that you develop players, the way that you... Build a team through a draft, through your own system, through your own farm, you know, your organization is ideally the way to do it. Eventually, those guys are going to be guys that maybe you can't afford to pay. But while you can afford to pay them, you have to get something out of them. And it also helps your payroll. If you're able to get production from, you know, guys who are inexpensive, I mean, that's just smart business. So from their standpoint, if they're able to get Cody Glass into a lineup because he's warranted you know because he's deserved it because he's outplayed people in training camp it, nick Haye, you know whatever it might be certainly th- there's economic factors to consider and all of that too get into a lot
1: more of that who could go who might stay uh what the roster could look like when we return on saturday at the end of development camp but between now and then uh for those that are listening dave what are what are you looking for this week uh at development camp where, while they have some of these prospects in here for the next five days
2: I mean, a couple different things, you know, on the high end, I think it's, you know, you obviously just want to see a guy like Cody Glass, a guy like Nick Haig, um, even a guy like Dylan Coghlan, who played the entire year in the AHL. You know, you, you just you want to see them be the best players on the ice here. You know, they, they those are the guys, Glass being a high pick, you know, Haig being a top prospect, Coghlan being a guy who played an entire year in pro hockey. You know, they should stand out here. So you kind of want to see that. And then more than anything is just for me is like seeing the guys that were drafted this year that, you know, didn't have a chance to see a whole lot. I mean, I fancy myself and I love the whole scouting aspect of it and the draft. And I I mean, I eat that stuff up and I didn't do a mock draft, but I certainly had it in my head. You know, like I think this is going to be the order in 15, 20, you know. Things like that. I, I love that stuff. So for me, you know, a guy like Marcus, Callie, and Keeley, who I've heard has a really big shot, but I've also heard isn't the strongest skater, I'd like, like to
1: learn from Mark Stone. Yeah.
2: right. Hey, there you go. But I, I kind of want to see, well, like, you know, where, okay, where is the skating at? Well, how hard is this shot? I've seen a couple clips of Marcus from like Sioux City and USHL stuff, but you know, what can you really tell from that? So you know, just just those types of things, like just where are these guys who who maybe jumps out? I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly remember a couple of years ago Dylan Coghlan standing out to me and me kind of being like, you know, who's what's, that guy? yeah, what's the deal with this guy? How is he undrafted? Like, why why is he you know look as good as he does and has absolutely no publicity recognition or whatever coming in that camp two years ago, and then he gets signed. So you know, just guys like that. That you know, that that's kind of where our where I'm more interested, I don't think you can really like, you know, learn a whole lot that this guy. Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be, you know, an Uber prospect or this or you know, I don't think you can, go, you know, come to a conclusion like that. But certainly, you can, you know, gen- formulate some general opinions. I guess on guys.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I said, you know, we we were talking about this a little bit ago. I thought my biggest observation today was just kind of I had a conversation with Cody Glass and just standing next to him from a year ago talking to him and then to today thought. He was just noticeably bigger, like as a guy, and he's becoming an adult. I mean, that's that's what happens when you become a pro athlete. And he's been in the system a little bit, and you know, got the workout regimen and the diet and everything else. And uh, he asked uh, he asked us not to reveal that he's had a few cheat days since the uh, Chicago Bulls playoffs run ended. Uh, but he pizza, is uh, burgers. Uh- pizza was definitely mentioned. So, uh, but yeah, just th- that he's you know an adult, and he's still only nineteen. He's, he's filling out and that's a, a good sign for the Golden Knights from a kid who was kind of tall and, and you, you thought you know he's not tiny but he certainly wasn't a big guy. Uh, that was an observation that I kind of had just talking to him. So. Yeah,
2: I, I think t- to that point I think in and Kelly McCrimmon talked to, to the media about this today too is that everybody in, in the development process is different and, and development kind of comes in different stages and things like that and a lot of people look at Cody Glass, and you say, okay, well, you're the sixth overall pick, and this guy was fifth, and this guy was ninth, or you know, and they're doing this in the NHL, so why isn't Cody Glass doing that? And you know, what Kelly McCrimmon tried to emphasize, and I think as we watch this, and and the more and more I watch, and it becomes clear is, you know, it's like recruiting almost, or, or things. Certain guys are just going to take a little bit longer physically, and you're you're drafting them in a spot because you're projecting you know, this guy might not be here in a year, but when he gets to that ceiling, it's going to be higher than, you know, player X, Y, and Z. And and I think, especially with Cody Glasses, he just needed more time maybe than other guys, you know, in his draft class. He was a, you know, a thinner guy, like you said, and and he was clearly going to need a couple years to put on the weight, just get stronger. It, it's just a natural progression. To me, it's no different than, you know, you and I watching an you know high school senior whether it's you know football or basketball in town and saying okay well yeah but you know maybe he's not gonna right away as a freshman do it at sophomore junior year you know I don't think it's any different than Cody Glass so from that standpoint I think that's maybe one of the things to keep an eye on you know just those guys that that physically develop like that that you know have that natural maturation
1: so we'll be out here all week development camp at City National Arena open to the public, you guys come out and uh, watch it as well, but we'll be here watching, check out ReviewJournal.com, ReviewJournal.com, you can trouble speaking at the beginning and then, uh, for all the content from Dave and myself, Ben Goats will be back in a couple of weeks, so we'll uh, hear his thoughts as well, he's uh, enjoying the lovely summer we talked last week, he was vacationing in Kansas City, which I don't know is a real thing, but for him it is and uh, we'll we'll hear from him again soon on Golden Edge, but thank you guys for listening again, like, subscribe, comment, share tell your friends, Uh, we're here all the time talking about Golden Knights, breaking down what's going on with them, Uh, for Dave Shane I'm Adam Hill, and once again, thanks to STN Sports Mobile from Stations Casinos, they present Vegas Nation and Golden Edge Podcast thank you guys, we'll talk to you again Saturday with another special guest from out here at City National Arena, development camp time for the Golden Knights